It was just awesome. And uh, maybe you went on spring break to Florida. Some of you look darker than you did last time uh, you were here. Uh, Maybe some of you uh, got a new job or you got a promotion. Maybe you got a new car or you got that big screen TV to watch the final four. And uh, your life is just at the tops. I mean, you just can't imagine. It, it's, it's like the, there's been a cosmic alignment of the stars and everything in your life is going great. Now, at the same time, in a group this size, there's some of you that have had big losses this week. Maybe you lost your job. Or maybe you lost a loved one. Or maybe you had to make a mad rush to the hospital to be with someone. Or maybe you've had a tough decision to make. But this week, you've had dark days and long nights. Maybe there's a couple who's here today who's teetering on the edge of divorce. And reconciliation looks about as likely as Paris Hilton getting a new job. Or Kentucky and Kansas making it to the final four. So some of this this morning, we need comfort. Some of us want to celebrate. Some of us want to relax. Some of us want to call to action. Some of us are bored. Some of us are stressed. Some of us can't wait until this is over. Some of us didn't want to come to church this morning. Some of us couldn't wait to get here. Some of us are like none of us. Some of us are like all of us. And some of us are like some of us. I just on a roll there. See how that works? I don't even know what the heck I just said. Well, maybe during this week, when you got here and you started listening to the music, some of you wanted the music louder. Others of you were putting Kleenex in your ears. Some of you wanted more reverent songs. Some of you wanted more celebratory songs. Some of you wanted the music set to last longer. Some of you wished it would have been done shorter. Some of us were done with the music altogether. Some of us were excited to hear Derek do the announcements. Others of us got up and walked out and got a cup of coffee during that time. Some of us were here early. (laughs) Not. That's a stretch. Some of us have a favorite seat right here in the front row. Some of you sitting back all the way to the very back against the wall wasn't far enough from Chris Bunch, you know. There are a lot of us here, and we're all here for different reasons. And we come for different purposes. And we're at different places in our life. Socially, economically, emotionally, spiritually. And all of us have come here today for a different reason. And now I have 30 minutes or so to try to talk to every single one of you on this spectrum And come up with something that is so creative and life-changing that it will impact you from now until next week. How many of you think that's going to happen? You have better luck than I do, I think. But I'll give it a go. Now, I'm not complaining. I love my job. In fact, I was talking to somebody this week and I said, you know what, some people go to their jobs and they're discouraged or whatever. They wish they did something else. I don't. I love my job. But just think about the whole mix of people that are here this morning. And what I want you to think about is, think about God's job. God has a job now with this spectrum of where you're at in your life to work in your life. Wow. Well, there was a classic movie a few years ago called Bruce Almighty, in which uh, Bruce was a news reporter, and Bruce lived in what I call the me planet. Everything focused in on him. 
And it all revolved around him. The whole earth revolved around him. So God tries to get Bruce's attention and tries to connect with him by giving him different signs. But every time God would do something, he just dismissed it. He walked away. Well, after several of these different kind of signs and this series of encounters, finally God shows up in Bruce's life in the form of Morgan Freeman. I mean, if anyone could be God, it could be Morgan Freeman. Uh, huh? So let's take a look at this clip. Just about everything there is to know. Everything you've ever said or done or thought about doing, right there in that file cabinet. Wow, a whole drawer just for me. Yeah. Mind if I take a look? It's your life. Sounded be good. Now, this last entry was a little disturbing. Gloves are off, God. God has taken my bird and my bush. God is a mean kid with a magnifying glass. Smite me, almighty smiter. Now, I'm not much for blaspheming, but that last one made me laugh. Are you spying on me? Who are you? I'm the one. Creator of the heavens and the earth. Alpha and Omega. Bruce, I'm God. Bingo! Yahtzee! Is that your final answer? Our survey says God! Bing, 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 bing. Well, it was nice to meet you, God. Thank you for the Grand Canyon, and good luck with the apocalypse. Oh, and by the way, you suck! You know what would have been a little bit more impressive, though? If you hadn't used the cheesy file cabinet illusion. Anybody with a brainstem can tell that that drawer is being fed through the wall from the other side. All you have to do is find the crease right around here. There is a seam here. Or a hollow spot. Where? Through the drywall and concrete? Okay, that is a good one. That is a good one. Okay, how many fingers am I holding up? Now, Bruce, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. Hey, if you can't God. do it, man, that's cool. Three, two, four, nine, six, eight, one. Okay. How many now? Seven. Aha! You've been doing a lot of complaining about me, Bruce. Quite frankly, I'm tired of it. Wait, 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 wait. Don't come near me. Seriously, when I'm backed into a corner, I'm like a wild animal. I don't want to hurt you, but I will out of instinct. You haven't won a fight since grade five, and that was against a girl. Yeah, she was huge. She'd been held back. And the sun was in your eyes. Oh, there you go. In a way, I brought you here to offer you a job. A job? What job? My job. You think you can do it better, so here's your chance. When you leave this building, you will be endowed with all my powers. Whatever you say, Bill. Now, after that encounter, what we find is that Bruce goes through the rest of the movie, and because he's got God's power, he, at first he thinks it's great. He does all kinds of different stuff to take care of himself, and he's excited. But as the movie goes on, it gets so overwhelming for him that he gives the job back because he can't do God's job. The reality is we come here this morning with different expectations and different needs and different opportunities, and somehow God has to fit all that together. I mean... You have to be God to be God. 
It's a very big job, and it's the only way that the universe ever functions or moves. Now, this week, the beginning of this week becomes what is the most revered week in all of Christianity. And that's your first fill in the blank. The week leading up to Easter, this week from Palm Sunday to Easter, is the most revered week in all of Christianity. It's the most honored, the most exciting, the most thrilling week of the year. And it begins with Palm Sunday. Now, many people are like, well, what's that? Well, here it is. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter that focuses on the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it eventually leads then to his pain and suffering on the cross. But it's the beginning point, the entry of Jesus coming in to this city. Now, you might say, well, why palms? Why do we call it palm? Well, the reason is, on this particular day, people went up into palm trees, cut down the branches, and began to start waving them as Jesus walked in. As he walked in, that sign of waving palm branches in that culture was the sign of someone who was of royalty, who was a king. Others took the palm branches, put them down on the ground, and kneeled before him as he walked by, crowning him as king. But the week between Palm Sunday and Easter is a roller coaster week for Jesus and the rest of the disciples. It begins with the whole city showing up as he rides in on a donkey, as king, as the one that the Jews had been waiting on forever. These people had been waiting centuries for the king, the Messiah, to come overthrow the brutal Roman government and take it on themselves and to reclaim Jerusalem as the center of the entire world. Now, part of the reason that people were celebrating Jesus as king is that just before he came into town, he went to one of his friend's house by the name of Lazarus, and he actually raised him from the dead. Look at what the Bible says. When Jesus had finished praying, this was just a couple days before he came in, When he finished praying outside of the tomb of Lazarus, he shouted, Lazarus, come out. The man who had been dead came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of burial cloth, and a cloth covered his face. Jesus then told the people, untie him and let him go. Lazarus has been dead and been buried for three days. And Jesus shows up as the miracle worker, and he walks out of the tomb, and he's alive. And all you can say to something like that, because none of us have seen that in this room, is wow. I mean, you start raising people from the dead, and you've got some serious PR on your side. It's working for you. I mean, if we had a few people come here to the jar and they rose from the dead during our celebration, pretty soon this whole gym would be packed with people. They'd be up around the track. They'd be waiting outside because that kind of power we don't see. And so tons of people were coming to Jerusalem to see this miracle worker. And the week begins with them crowning him as king, but the week ends with them putting a thorn of crowns, jamming it onto his hand, and immediately blood coming from his head. These are some of the things that happened to Jesus this week. He was hit. He was spit on. He was knocked over the head with a stick. He was beat up with fists. He was whipped. He was flogged which is a worse type of whipping because at the end of the leather strips, they would have pieces of rock and lead. And when they would whip him, it would actually go into his back and it would skin him alive. That's where that term comes from. It would actually skin the person alive. Then they took him to a cross, nailed his hands and feet, and then crucified him. 
But then three days later, he rose again. New life for us. But the whole week begins, this most revered week in all of Christianity, with Jesus simply riding on a donkey. And the question for us then is, well, Bunch, what does that have to do with me? What does that first Palm Sunday have to do with us? How does it connect with the variety of needs that are in this place this morning? You know, I think God this morning wants to talk to us beyond our current circumstances. Beyond our current problems, beyond our current concerns, beyond our current struggles. As Holy Week begins, this most revered week in all of Christianity, I think God wants you to hear His story. The story of His Son's last week, for that to kind of seep into our souls. So here we go. Let's read it. When Jesus came near Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, as it was called, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead of them and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter, you will find a donkey tied there. No one has ever sat on it. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks why you are untying it, say, The Lord needs it. The men Jesus had sent found it the way Jesus had told them. And while they were untying the young donkey, the owners asked them, Why are you untying my young donkey? The disciples answered, The Lord needs it. You've got to love that, don't you? Because I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, I'm going to go to Sam Pierce Chevrolet this week. And I'm going to say, hey, that 2010 Camaro, the Lord needs it. Give me the keys, right? Well, it doesn't really work that way, okay? But look at what happens next. The scripture continues. This happened so that what the prophet had said came true. Tell the people of Zion, your king is coming to you. He is gentle, riding on a donkey, a young colt, a pack animal. At first, Jesus' disciples did not know what these prophecies meant. However, when Jesus was glorified, the disciples remembered that these prophecies had been written about him. Now, I don't have uh, the time to unpack everything that's within this passage, except to say this. Throughout Jesus' lifetime, which was 33 years, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies. In other words, things that were predicted hundreds of years before, 500 years before, 700 years before, he met them. And one of those that we give an example of is this concept with this donkey that Zechariah, 500 years beforehand, predicted. And let's look at what he said. 500 years before, he wrote this. Rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. 500 years before, this is predicted. 500 years later, it happens. But here's the part that I love the most about this story. While the disciples were going to get this donkey, they just think, hey man, let's go get a donkey. You see, they didn't realize the larger plan that God had for them in them doing this. And so the first thing that we need to kind of learn from this last week of Jesus' earthly life is this. God often has his own plans. God often has his own plans. And you see, that's very different from the times in our life in which we want God to do something for us. That we have our plans, and God, we want you to join us. We want you to do something with us. The old Jewish prophet, Bob Dylan, 
His, you know his real name was Zimmerman, his last name? You didn't know that. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, I knew that. Anyways, this is what he said. Of every earthly plan known to man, God is unconcerned. He's got plans of his own to set up his throne when he returns. What a great line. God bless Bob, right? In other words, have you asked God to take part in your plans... Or have you said, God, whatever your plans are, I would like to join in them. And isn't that very different? God, you come and be a part of my plans, what I want to do. Or God, whatever you want to do, I want to join in that. I suspect that there are loads of us who spend a fair amount of time wondering what God's will is for our life. Contemplating, worrying, thinking about what is the plan for my life. But it might be so much easier for you, rather than asking that, is just say, God, what's your plan? Whatever your plan is, I'll join you. And then I'll be simply a part of it. Now the Bible says this. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible... Everything got started in God and finds its purpose in Him. Folks, you were created for God's purpose. It's not about you. It's about God. And when we finally figure that out, that's when God can use us the most. That your life is not about you. It's about God. And that happens when we're cognizant every single day about that. It's only when we stop beating our heads against the wall, trying to go, what's the significance of my life? And we turn to God and say, God, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of that stream that flows. Do you finally really begin to live? Well, the Palm Story Sunday continues. It says... Most of the people spread their coats on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the highest heaven! Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! When Jesus came into Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar. People were asking, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd, the religious leaders, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell your disciples to be quiet. Jesus replied, I can guarantee that if they are quiet, even the stones will cry out. The cobblestones here, the bricks in the roads will cry out out. In other words, folks, this is a moment in history that is earth-shattering. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing, and these people see it. This is the moment that creation, before God created the world, was waiting for. And if we don't acknowledge Jesus in the midst of that, of what he's accomplishing then something, the Scripture says, is going to just burst out. It cannot be contained. Something's going to shout it out if we don't ourselves. You see, when God sent His one and only Son to planet Earth, He did so, and that was the only plan. There's only plan A. There is no plan B. Plan A is the only plan, and it's this. Jesus must be worshipped. He's got to be worshipped. Regardless of the circumstances of our lives, Jesus must be worshipped. Maybe you're on the low end right now. Things are going south. It doesn't seem like anything in your life is going right. And maybe this has just been happening for a few days, but maybe it's been weeks or months or even years. But regardless, Jesus must be worshipped.
And folks, this little principle that I just gave you, regardless of the circumstances that you worship him, is worth the price of admission today. Because when you worship Jesus, when things in your life are going south and everything seems to be falling apart, it's the most freeing thing that you can do for yourself. They show studies that it actually brings good mental health. When you're going through a storm and you worship Him, peace comes to the storm. He's the storm stopper. Because when you let Jesus know that you love Him and you trust Him and you worship Him, when you're at the worst part of your life, that's when God is most honored and that is when real faith begins to function. Remember, folks, and let's read this next one together. It'll come up on uh, the screen. Let's read it together. We walk by faith, not by sight. I mean, life is not a walk in the park. And God wants to know, will you trust me? Will you trust me even when you can't see? Remember Jesus said this one time, love your enemies. And he said anyone, anyone can love friends. Anyone can love somebody, you know, that's here at the church that I see every week. But can you love your enemies? You see, when you love your enemies, that's evidence of a supernatural faith. A life that's truly been changed. In the same, one, in the same way, anyone can worship Jesus when everything in your life's going great. Oh, it's easy to go to church, do the whole thing when everything's going great. It's a piece of cake. But to worship Him and honor Him when the storms of life are hitting you, when circumstances are at their worst, that's when we really see where a person's true faith is at. Now back to the story. Jesus does something remarkable in this story. In the midst of this whole celebration, I mean, there's this party going on. He is king, and he walks into Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, something changes, and he breaks down, and he begins to cry. He weeps openly. Because Jesus, you see, sees beyond the surface, beneath it. The Bible says this, As Jesus came near Jerusalem, he saw the city and cried for it, saying, I wish you knew today what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. The time is coming when your enemies will build a wall around you and, you will, and it will hold you in on all sides. They will destroy you and all your people and one stone will not be left on another. All this will happen because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you, to help you. It didn't look like the way I thought it would look. Now, just get this. Here is God in flesh, weeping over a city, over the exact people that He came to help, to save. And what's ironic is that in just a few dozen years, historically... What takes place is the Romans go into Jerusalem, they ransack the entire city, they burn down the temple and anything that is Jewish, and they tear it all down, and there is nothing, literally nothing, left in this city. 500 Jews, we're told, were killed daily. In 70 A.D., there were one million Jews that were killed in that city of Jerusalem. They were just slaughtered. Author Henry Nouwen, who's just a great writer, said this about Jesus going to Jerusalem. Jesus went to Jerusalem to announce the good news to put a choice before the people. Will you be my disciple or will you be my executioner? There is no middle ground here. Jesus went to Jerusalem to put people in a situation where they had to either say yes or no. 
That is the great drama of Jesus' passion. He had to wait upon how people were going to respond. Is it possible for Jesus to come near to us and we miss him? In the middle of our circumstances, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our struggle, is it possible to miss what Jesus wants to do in our life because it doesn't look like the way we wanted our life to work out? I have a friend named Craig who I've known for a few years. I uh, met him at his business uh, the first time. We were doing some business through the church. And when I first met Craig, he was very far from God. I mean, the goals in his life at that time were wine and women. How much could he drink? How many women could he sleep with? And when he learned that I was a pastor, he wasn't so sure that he wanted to kind of continue on, you know, with this kind of relationship. But over time, I kind of showed him that I was halfway normal. (laughs) Fooled him, you know. Well, eventually, our relationship grew to a point that we started having lunch about once a month, and we would read the Bible together from that time until next time we'd get together, and we'd read it and we'd talk about it. And he read his Bible. He started going to church. He gave his life to Christ to renew that commitment to him. And his life just started changing in some remarkable ways. He opened himself up to anything that God wanted. You want me to serve? Here's my business. Here's my life. Whatever you want, here it is. Life was at a pinnacle. It was at a mountaintop for Craig. And a month ago, Craig received some devastating news Maybe some of the most devastating news of his life. His mother, who left uh, he and his dad at the age of six, wrote a letter to him disowning her son. This past Thanksgiving, Craig had invited his mom to uh, come and, and meet his girlfriend and hang out. And, you know, things didn't go great that week and... That happens in families all the time, and you leave, and there's some pain, hurt on both sides. But he made it right. A couple weeks later, he called, he apologized, tried to make things, thought things were going great. Christmas came, called her nothing. And for two months, didn't hear anything from her at all. Then on February 24th, just a month ago, he received a letter from her telling him how horrible of a son he was, And how dark and black of a heart he had. She never apologized for anything in the letter, but simply listed all that she had done for him and how horrible he had been to her. Here's just a portion of the letter. He gave me permission to read it. He said, this is her writing. I'm going to say everything I feel in my heart because this will be the last time I will communicate with you. I do not intend to worry about you anymore. From now on, I am going to be your mother by birth certificate only. Do not reply to this letter because I do not want to hear from you again. And this letter went on for four pages, very similar language. And Craig read this, and at first he was hurt, but then he got mad. And he pulled out a piece of paper, and he thought, I'm going to tell her. And he just started writing about, you know, all the horrible things that she had done to his life. And he called me up, and he told me about this letter that he had written. I'm thinking, oh, man, this isn't good, you know. And so I asked him, I said, well, did you mail the letter? And he said, "Uh, nope, I didn't mail it. I said, well, good. Hey, let's get together. We'll talk about it. Let's kind of work through this a little bit. So that next uh, Monday came and uh, I said, hey, you know, let me know what's going on. Let's uh, go ahead and let's pray. 
And let's just ask God how he would want us to respond uh, to this. And as we sat down, he said, well, that's great, but I already sent the letter. He said, my mom made me so angry that I just reverted back to my old ways before Christ, and I let her have it. I wrote every horrible thing she had ever done. I told her how she had abandoned me and my dad when, we were six years, when I was six years old, and most of all, that she was never around in my life, and how she could ever think she was even a mom, I don't understand. I told her how unworthy I felt my entire life, how because she left me, abandoned me, I don't trust people. And so I mailed the letter back. And at this point, as a pastor, I'm thinking, oh, man, it's done. You know, there's just no way we're going to move beyond this. And then all of a sudden he smiled and he took an envelope and he passed it across the table. And he said, look at this envelope. Here it is. He said, this morning when I went to the mailbox, that letter was back to me. He said, go ahead, look at it again. What do you notice? Exact same address. In all of his anger, he had sent his address. He said, I've never done this before in my life. You see, God has his own plan, folks. And his plan for Craig was not towards resentment, but it was toward reconciliation. So Craig and I, we sat down, we kind of reworded the letter, we spoke the truth in love, but we tried to be the best that we could be of creating healing and not hurt. And he and his mom are headed towards that way, towards reconciliation, even though it's a slow process. You see, God visited Craig on the day that the letter was returned. Now, he could have missed that. He could have been like, ah, man, what an idiot. Take it out, put it into another envelope, and mail it out. But he didn't do it. He could have said, I'm hurting. She's the one that abandoned me. I can't believe she would disown me. I'm going to let her have it anyways. But he didn't. You see, God had his own plan for Craig, and God invited him to take part in it. And this is the second big Palm Sunday big idea, and it's this. We are invited to take part in God's plan. We're invited. We're asked to come and take part in God's plan. You see, when Jesus told the disciples, hey guys, go get this donkey, they had no idea how significant that was going to be. They just thought, hey, we're going to go get a donkey. But it was extremely important because it fulfilled a 500-year prophecy and led into the greatest week the world has ever known. You know, God is inviting you where you're sitting right now in your seat. He's inviting you to join him in his plans. And most of the times, folks, it isn't some big, gigantic, huge thing, but it's simple things, simple plans. One of them is simply love. To love. To love. The Bible says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So simple, isn't it? Love God, love other people. Here's the second plan that he invites us to be a part of. Forgive. To simply forgive. The Bible says this, You must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. You know, God will never ask you to forgive anybody more than he has called to forgive you. He'll never ask you to forgive anybody else more than he's forgiven you. So, just forgive. That's what Craig's doing right now. 
Here's a third simple plan. It's worship. God desires you to worship Him. The Bible says this, the Father seeks worshipers. And folks, worship is not just limited to what we do here on Sunday. It's not just music or, you know, the teaching or prayer. But worship is a lifestyle. When you leave from this place, we're worshiping. He wants that. So how are you doing on that one in your life? How are you doing in worshiping God Sunday when you leave here until the next Sunday that you come? Are you worshiping? Are you trusting? Are you loving Jesus despite of the circumstances that you're going through right now? Whatever's happening in your life right now, are you worshiping Jesus daily? Or do you complain all the time? And people hear it coming out of your mouth. What's coming out of your mouth in the midst of difficult circumstances. Here's the last thing. Don't miss God's invitation. Don't miss God's invitation. You see, this week, I have a feeling that there is going to be some God-given divine opportunities that He's going to give to you. Maybe he's going to ask you just one thing. Surrender. Surrender. But will you listen to him and surrender? Or will you try to control everything and just do things the way I want to? Maybe God will say, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. But will you listen, or will you keep worrying and fretting and just getting so anxious about whatever it is, the situation, trying to control it? Maybe God will just say, worship me. Just worship me. But will you listen, or will you say, no, that's one of those Jesus freak things, you know. I start worshiping you. No. Maybe God will say, let me in. Just let me in. But will you listen or will you slam the door shut? If you would, when uh, you came in today in your program, each one of you had a little card that looked like this. If you could pull that out. It's a pretty card. Many colors. And folks, this is the greatest week of the Christian calendar. People are more receptive to things of God this week than any other week out of the year. Unfortunately, we've lost Christmas as Christians. Consumers take that, have stolen that away from the church. But we still have Easter. It's the week that people will be more open to hearing things of God than any other time of the year. And God wants to invite you to be a part of His plan by you inviting people to this place. And I just want you to encourage you this week that you ask God, God, who needs you? Who in my life needs you? Because next weekend, the whole teaching is going to be called Defining the Relationship. It's going to be inviting people into a relationship for them to define it in their life. And I believe that there will be dozens of people who will accept Christ next week just like there were last year. And God wants to use you. So ask Him, Father, Who in my life needs you? And then take the risk and do it. 
God is going to provide you a divine opportunity, I guarantee, this week for you to use this card. And the question is, will you listen? Will you obey? Will you follow his lead? Let's pray. God, I just uh, thank you for a few moments of quiet for us to center in on you. Not my words, not my thoughts, not what's happening when we leave from this place, but just you. And God, help us not to miss the divine invitation that you're going to give to us this week. Capture our hearts and help us to live a life that is less about having you fit into our plans than it is for us to fit into your plans. To do the simple things that you call us to do. Father, I know that there are some folks in this place who are experiencing circumstances that are very difficult. relationship that's gone south, a job that I've lost, pain, hurt in my life. God, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But even in the midst of that, God, you still call us to worship you, to love you, to follow you. Father, I pray that not a single person in this place would miss their divine invitation this week. So come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts. Give us an expectancy for next Sunday. And place in us the courage to invite someone who we know is not connected with you. A friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, someone in our family to meet with you next week. Because I really do believe, God, that you're going to do something great here. And it's going to happen. Something great.
great you are and just everything you've done for us, Lord. And we just sing praise back to you um, just for your goodness and your greatness and your kindness, Lord. And again, we thank you and praise you. And so we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, as we leave here today, a couple things to remember. Uh, remember to invite some people next week for Easter Sunday. Also, for the people who want to be involved in the meet and greet, that's directly after a celebration now. So if you go into the conference room, um, you will see Chris and some other people. Uh, just have a great week and just always know that you're loved in this place.